Rachel Needle from Talking With Tech. And I'm Chris Bouguet from Talking With Tech. We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs. If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities. And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults, anything related to AAC. So you can look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there or check out our website at bit.ly slash TWT podcast. Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect like the, the policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 122. We are proud members of the Exceptional Podcast Network. I'm Matt Hot, joined as always from Philadelphia, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? Hi, Mike. Have you ever been to Geno's? I uh no I have not. Ooh. Apparently it's like uh it's like a touristy like overrated spot. Yeah, there's some very upset Philadelphians with you I'm guessing right now. Are you talking about you. the the Philly cheesesteaks the two places yep. across the street from each other? Yes. That's fine with me. <laughs> fine with me. Freshly minted into Central Time, she didn't even know what time we were doing our podcast because she traveled to a different state. Michelle Wintering. Hi guys. <laughs> How was that travel, Michelle? Um, it was good. We split up the drive into two days and made a pit stop in St. Louis. And here we are in our new house surrounded by boxes. I was gonna say, are you guys good travel partners or bad travel partners? Well, we've had to travel a lot. So I think we're pretty good, but we also had two different cars and we alternated who had the cat and who uh, had the toddler. <laughs> I'd take the toddler the whole time, I think. Uh, on this episode today, we're going to talk about a couple things. ASHA, uh, they have some new uh, improvements on the Interstate Compact, uh, an update on what they are looking at at Medicare payments, or Medicare cuts in payments, I should say. Uh, we have an update on an interview we did first on Speech Science four years ago, and we also got our comments questions, SS pod shout outs and due processes all coming from you guys. But first, let's start off how we always do and let's check in to see how our week's been. And I will start. Uh, two big things have happened this week. I took my boys fishing for the first time. So those picks. Yeah, my oldest one caught four fish, my youngest caught one and I caught two. So 
That's pretty good. That was pretty that, awesome. That's a solid day of first time fishing. Yes, it was. And I was a little nervous because we used um, hand sanitizer after unhooking the fish. And I didn't realize it until after we threw the fish in that our hands then smelled like berry hand sanitizer. But I think it worked because then after that, we started catching fish crazy. So I think that berry scent we put on the worms helped. Uh, and then the other thing, thinking of things that smell weird, uh, my wife and I watched American Pickle on HBO Max the other day. Really? The Seth Rogen film. Uh, basically, the story is based around the idea of what would our great-grandparents think of us if they met us in their prime. So uh, Seth Rogen's character, his great-grandfather falls into a pickle batch, and he's brined for 100 years, and he is pulled out, and he meets his 36-year-old great-grandson. So. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's not funny like Seth Rogen films. It's more like dark humor because like Seth Rogen's great-grandfather thinks he's kind of a slacker because you know he worked in a pickle factory and Seth Rogen works on a computer and Seth Rogen thinks his great-grandfather is super racist <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny so that was how my week's been uh Michelle Let's start with you because also you're calling in for the second week in a row. And if we lose you, it's because uh, they lost uh, phone services in Kansas. No. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, we're, we're just because we're, we just got all of our household goods delivered by the movers in the last day and we don't have internet yet. And spotty service a little bit in our neighborhood. So um, hopefully I don't lose you. But uh, yeah, my update is, oh, I meant to tell you, Matt, that I did watch a couple of, we watched a couple episodes of The Floor is Lava that you talked about two weeks ago. Isn't Floor is Lava awesome? I did, it is, because it reminds me of playing that as a child yes. and setting up the um, cushions and pillows and everything else. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's just anybody who's moved state to state uh, knows what it's like right now that we're just trying to settle in and figure out our new routine here but it's nice to have our stuff it already feels more like home even if it's not all impact because all our stuff is here oh home is where the heart is oh thanks <laughs> mike when was the last time you moved and how has your week been oh man so i've moved a few places in philly since i moved here in 2015 so i've been in three different places so far in philly uh, and each time, uh, we're hiring more and more people to assist with the move. Uh, so it's getting, so we're getting smarter. Uh, so that's, that's been good. And in terms of, uh, in terms of my week, um, basically I've just been trying to get out as much as possible. Um, pretty much August is, uh, I always take August as a sign that summer is winding down and we're, we're losing time. Uh, so I've been trying to get out and get outside and play some golf, like I talked about last week, and uh, and yeah, just trying to just trying to enjoy before I'm thrust right back into uh, school and uh, private practice and even more teletherapy. Well, I just found out this week that my school district calendar has changed, and they probably sent an email and have told me multiple times, but I'm I'm, I'm I have difficulty sometimes following directions. And evidently, I have a uh, teacher professional day 
on the first day and then two weeks of training before students arrive. So I just found that out today. So that'll be nice. Not bad. I, and it's, I, that will be nice. And I bet it's going to change again though. Oh, a hundred percent. And every other school staff member's schedule. Well, we're recording this on August 9th on Sunday at 930, 35 Eastern time or 830 Michelle time. And supposedly <laughs> on Tuesday, so either right around the time this drops or earlier in the day of when this drops, uh, power the big Power 5 football conferences are going to announce that they are not doing any sports this fall. Yeah, I've seen the, that. The Big That's Ten fun. said they reached out to the SEC and have said that no Big Ten football, no Ohio State football uh, this fall. So That's very controversial. A lot of people are going to be out of work. College football is big business. Yes, it is. So yes, it oh, is. Yeah. So that's that's a that's going to be that. You know, obviously we have the NFL. The NFL is more blatantly an open business as right. compared to as compared to college football, where the where the athletes are not paid. Uh, but it's uh it's going to be really difficult. So like we've seen what happened so far with baseball and the Marlins and all these other baseball players testing positive and you would assume football is going to be worse. It's going so, to happen with us in the schools though. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I read an, I read an article today that uh, like from just, just from basic testing of kids going back to school, almost 96,000 kids tested positive in the first round. Wow. 96,000 kids tested positive in the first round of testing about going back to school in September. Crazy. And I'm the, like, I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Because I just, <laughs> like, it's not hard to get this. It's, uh, well, let's start on this. We want to hear what you're doing. Are you finding out that your school calendar changed at the last minute or changed previously and you're just now catching up? Right on in. Go to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Uh, you can also find our Discord, discord.speechsciencepodcast.com, or phone call 614-681-1798. You can also text 614-681-1798 or email speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. We do have an email. We're going to go to that first, and then I know we have a comment on one of the Facebook posts, but Emily, with uh, last name withheld upon requests, writes... Uh, my name is Emily. I'm a speech language pathologist or speech language assistant in Utah. In my current district, they are called speech language technicians. This is in response to, uh, I believe it was episode 119. We talked about assistance. Yep. Uh, she says she's happy to share her experience. Uh, she's worked for a few school districts in Utah. Uh, one paid her as a para. Ooh, one paid me hourly based on teacher equivalent hourly salary. That would be good. Uh, current district provides me a salary and benefits and I'm not paid the same as an SLP. Huh. In the state of Utah, in order to get a licensure as an SLT, you have to have a bachelor's degree in communicative disorders or equivalent as well as attend a week-long seminar with training. At the end of the seminar, you also have to pass a capstone project in addition to all general ed teacher licensure. Uh, current district provides an SLP who oversees her and her caseload. Uh, SLP does all the testing, qualifications, diagnosis, and we work in conjunction to come up with IEP goals. She see, oversees a few other SLTs and watches me with all my students in therapy. She's available to answer questions. Uh, however, I'm there every day at my school. She comes twice a week. I'm considered faculty and attend all meetings and coordinate with my supervisor. She is present at all IEP meetings. She attends uh, the SLP 
assistant, uh, attend staff trainings and SPED trainings at the district, as well as speech training at the district level. Uh, she says she is happy to do more training through the ASHA training, but hope it could stand in place of the state-based week-long seminar. I can see why that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And to answer why SLPA, she says her district always tries to hire SLPs first. Unfortunately, there's a huge shortage of SLPs in her area, and it's everywhere across the nation, really. Uh, when that position is not filled after eight weeks of looking, then they uh, post a job for an SLT. So there we go. So it sounds like they have a pretty clear system for, that is for hiring and prioritizing system. SLPs and also being able to fill that, that service gap. Yeah, it's not bad. So shout out to Utah. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah thanks. seriously. Thanks, Emily, for writing in. And then, Michelle, you saw a comment on one of our uh, postings on Facebook, right? Yes, correct. Let me pull it up and make sure I've got it for you. I was going to say, do you, you want me had... to read it or are you okay? I can, yeah, I have it now. Okay. Um, so, Marissa, Marissa Moore wrote in. She is a grad student herself. So, thank you for writing in and giving us her feedback on how COVID and everything has impacted her. So I'm just going to read her comment. Um, here's my little story for the grad school topic. I'm a second year student. So first year was basically normal. two weeks intensive training, then on-site clinic. In January, I happened to do telepractice as well. We had no idea that would become a major thing. So skip forward to now. I'm supposed to be at a hospital this summer. I'm still actually still, but I'm actually still on-site. It still is open. May is one of the least affected at this time, right? <laughs> Mask requirements, limited appointments, little interaction with my cohort, et cetera. Thankfully, I had that training telepractice because now if a client has a cold, we're able to do it from home, which for some others in my cohort who didn't do telepractice, it just isn't an option. Um, let me get to the next part, sorry. Uh, she said the requirements are pretty broad at UMaine, so University of Maine a certain number of treatment evals, uh, treatments versus evals, and children versus adult, then we try to have a variety of everything. Our school is using SIMUCASE, S-I-M-U-C-A-S-E. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that one? I'm, I, I like SIMUCASE. Have you seen this, Mike? I have. Yeah, and, and I've only seen it, like, I haven't used it directly, but I've seen it through uh, online trainings. And, Mike, it's just kind of like this, you've seen it, it's like a, they, it's almost like a case study with video. Yeah, it, it's really not that bad. Uh, it really seems like they've, uh, I, I think it's very good for cl uh, student clinicians to experience without sort of the anxiety of actual kids being there and, and that, that sort of thing and having to worry about it being an actual student. I think it's a good, almost like a prerequisite to face-to-face -face real therapy. Oh, and I, I wasn't familiar with that at all, so thank you guys for explaining that. Um, when Marissa here, she said that her school is using SUNY case as well, um, which could be an interesting topic. That's what she wrote. Right now, only 75 hours are allowed on it, and we yeah. are certainly using them. I think that is it. I thought about way more while listening to you all on a walk. You guys are great. Thanks for discussing such relevant topics. I love hearing the different perspectives. And then she edited it to add, the positive about telepractice, even for new clinicians, is that it really helped me learn how to talk to parents, how to guide them in working with yeah. their own children. That's interesting, because I know last week I was saying, I, I know that you're going to miss out if you're doing a lot of telepractice about the, you know, 
the embarrassing sitting in an IEP meeting and squirming as a parent talks to you or a principal asks you questions or, you know, how do you juggle the teacher lunchroom and the politics mm -hmm. of the teacher lunchroom? But no, that's a great point about you can't rely on all of our bells and whistles when you have to do it face to face through a, a voice program. So. And I think Marissa, thank you for writing in because that, that does make a really interesting and, and good perspective, a positive, as you said, about being able to talk to parents because my friends who switched to telepractice, I think Mike, you said the same thing that you've had a little more opportunity to, to talk with some of the parents because of teletherapy. Is that right? Definitely. Yeah. As soon as you're able to, to decrease the, uh, obviously the parents are home more now with, with, uh, with, with COVID. Uh, but anytime you can decrease travel time, uh, things like that, and you're just increasing the use of technology of the parents are on the computer more them, themselves. Uh, I think this, you know, one positive that's really come out of this is the parent collaboration. Yeah. So thank you. Shout out to Marissa. Thanks for writing in and sharing your grads, grad school experience right now because you're definitely having a unique grad school experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not anything that I think anyone would have have thought. What was it like? Where do you see yourself in five years? Not, not here. No way. So. <laughs> yeah, if you asked this a year ago, nobody would have said this either. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a pandemic. And we're all going to be sitting in the house. That would be, if someone predicted that, that'd be the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> it was not on the Simpsons. So was it? No, this one was not on the Simpsons. So. It might've been. <laughs> Is it Netflix that has the special? It obviously wasn't about COVID-19, but it's uh, a documentary series that's called Pandemic. And it was filmed before all of this. I oh, haven't really? watched it all yet, but we watched the first episode. It was very interesting. Yeah. Bill, Bill Gates predicted it. That's true. <laughs> In his TED Talk. True. Yep. Oh, all right. anyways. Well, we <laughs> want to hear from you. SpeechSciencePodcast.com, SpeechSciencePodcast at gmail.com, or 614-681-1798. So the good news is, is that we don't have any due processes, but the bad news is, is we have no due processes which was our ability for you, the listener at home, to hashtag it up, SSPod, SSPod due process, and what you do uh, anonymously, or you can put your name onto it, and uh, you tell us what is bugging you, and we discuss it in the public uh, realm. So we don't have any SSPod due processes, but I do have an SSPod shout-out. Love the shout-outs. All right. So uh, four years ago or three years ago, I had the chance to interview a uh, NASCAR driver with autism named Armani Williams. Uh, he was going up through their drive for diversity with NASCAR, and he is set to make history this weekend, uh, which was this past weekend, I guess, when this drops over at the Michigan International uh, Speedway. Uh, he drives for Farmington Hills Centria Autism, a leader provider of therapy in the country. Uh, and so shout out to Armani uh, for being uh, for making his way at the age of 20 into the ARCA series this weekend at Michigan International Speedway. So 
Very cool. Yeah. And I think that was episode like in the first 25 episodes, next 30 episodes. So really? Yeah. That's right. Before it mattered. Pre M&M speech. That's right. M M N M. (laughs) But he says his goal is to drive at a hundred to 180 uh, miles an hour. So go for it. Armani. I'll be checking out where he's at because i have not seen the 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 results yet from the arca races so guys got the need for speed huh dude i love nascar and i would i need a new nascar driver to cheer for so no that's your guy i am a hillbilly at heart just saying must be so all right guys let's jump into this first topic uh michelle we're gonna start it because in case your cell phone service dies i want to get your opinion Five states have now passed the interstate compact legislation. So uh, we've I'm got. Hear that. <laughs> I was going to say it does not help you right now, but it looks like it is Wyoming, West Virginia, Utah, uh, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Well, and here's the thing: I think it is it seven. That we have to have on board before it actually becomes a thing. So it's not yet. It's not that those five have a compact yet. It's that they've signed on, right? Ten states. We, I think, yeah. Okay, so we need a few more. But it's that waterfall effect, right? Like once we get those ten, it'll be a lot easier to get more states on board because it will already exist. Uh, it says in 2020, 12 states have introduced the ASLPIC legislation. ASHA staff spent many hours working with state associations, lobbyists, legislators, and opponents to provide info and answer questions about the compact. I know Ohio, uh, we've sent some letters to our to our legislation, our state legislation or, or state board uh, to sign on for this. So we're pretty excited here in Ohio. Yeah, I, I think it could be a really good thing. It does actually... Um, of course, the part that I'm very interested in is it has um, pretty specific language about uh, military families. So if you're part of a military family and, and moving because of that, this is a huge support for, for military spouses. Yep, and it says the invaluable support of the Department of Defense's state liaison office. Yep, there you go. I'm only licensed in Ohio. Uh, we'll go from least to most. So, Mike, how many states do you have? That I'm certified in? Yeah. I am certified in uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland. So, three. And, Michelle, are you at a dozen yet? Are you in 10 no. states? Can you do your I own, like, multi-state compact? Oh, that'd be great. No, um, I my current ones are Texas and Kentucky, and then soon to be Kansas. Um, my Ohio one is in the inactive status, and Colorado I let um, go because it's uh, one of the less expensive ones to renew. So there you go. What does it mean if it's in inactive status? So not every state has it, but Ohio has an option that for twenty, I think it's twenty-five dollars a year you can keep it in an inactive status and that way you don't have to prove all the basics again. They just, you, you show that you've been practicing since you were last in Ohio, like fully active licensed in Ohio. Um, And not every state offers that, but since it was only $25 or so to do that each each year, I figured it was worth it for Ohio. 
Fair mm -hmm. enough. And Mike, you're fully active in your states? Um, mostly, mostly Pennsylvania and Delaware. Okay. Yeah. I, are you, are you yeah, still actively licensed in Jersey then? Uh, Maryland. Maryland. Uh, right. Yes, I'm, it's still active. Uh, I do a lot of work down there every once in a while for a, uh, a foundation that I work oh, with. That's right. That's so right. When I, so when I go down there, like, uh, like I, sometimes I'll do like some evaluations, things like that. So I had to go through all of the licensing thing. I love this idea. I don't think I will ever use it, even though I live literally within 30 minutes. I could do a loop between three states in about 45 minutes, to be honest. But if you ever did do private practice, it would be worth it. Only if I travel mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. Question. But I mean, therapy too, though. You're, oh, if yeah, you're doing any kind you're of right. teletherapy because you have to have a license where they are and where you are. True. True. Uh, on the actual <laughs> link, uh, do they have it? No, they do not. Oh, they do have a take action website. Uh, so we will include that as well. But basically, it is a link to get you to reach out to your state legislation or association or board licensure to tell them that you want uh, to pass the state compact um, and to hopefully get a national licensure or something similar across uh, the country. So that'll be kind of nice. Uh, coming up on the other side of the break, Michelle, we want to hear from you about the upcoming interview next week. And we're also going to talk about Medicare payment cuts. You're listening to Speak Science. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to episode number 122 of the Speech Science Podcast. I'm Matt Hott, joined by Michael McLeod and Michelle Wintering. And Michelle. Hi. Hi. <laughs> there's always that weird delay when you're on the phone and, and wonderful Zoom has changed so many different things. But, uh, you had started a wonderful uh, deep dive into the world of the U.S. public uh, health services and uh, their uniformed civilian SLPs. Is that right? Did I say that right? Um, I'm going to say yes, because I'm probably not going to say it perfectly correctly either. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, so coming up next week and the following week is a two-part interview with a lot of people. Uh, so I think this is, I told them all, the, the largest group interview that speech science has done. So it's, it's going to be a little different format because I ran through a panel interview in a way. 
asking questions to different individuals. And um, it, these are all SLPs. They are all CCC licensed SLPs, but they are in uniform. So it's not a military branch. You know, it's not Navy, Army, Air Force. Um, it is called the United States Public Health Service. And you may have seen them if you've been to ASHA and seen people walking around who look like they're in almost a Navy uniform. Um, they are SLPs and they're audiologists as well. Um, but not something I was familiar with until the last, what, probably a year ago when we saw an article mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. Lieutenant Courtney, Courtney Wood and ASHA. And so I reached out to her and set up an interview and it took a while to kind of gather the plans for that. But uh, the first interview is a large group of people. Uh, I don't know the exact number offhand, but it's probably about eight different people on the interview who are all in what they call non-clinical billets. So their role in the public health service is um, not direct therapy. You know, they might be doing advocacy or supervision or um, public policy, public health type things. And then um, the second interview is with people who are three, three SLPs who are all in clinical positions. So Lieutenant Courtney Wood, who helped me set this up and was kind of my primary contact. She is, for example, an SLP in Colorado Springs at Fort Carson. So she is connected with the Army right now, but she is not in the Army. She is part of the public health service, the Uniform Public Health Service. I can honestly say, uh, I don't know about you, Mike or Michelle, but I've never received an email that was labeled unclassified, which then made me feel like I was sort of coolly related somehow to classified information. And that'll be the, <laughs> the, the only cool emails I will ever receive. That's so funny. I think I've gotten very used to it, having a lot of friends and, of course, my husband and family military because anyone who works for the government it will come through as, class, as unclassified ah it's classified but it's going to be also marked and secured somehow <laughs> but most of them are unclassified but they want to make note of that <laughs> yeah i don't ever want to receive an email that says classified because that i know somebody messed up somewhere so and you're like i'm not supposed to do this <laughs> mike have you Send ever <laughs> mike have you ever gotten a classified or unclassified email first of all what conversation did i miss yeah what? so for everybody that is <laughs> not privy to the behind the scenes uh mike's mike dropped out of the zoom call because the internet is awesome so mike you jump back in as michelle was talking about the two-part interview series starting next week for the u.s public health services uh slps oh okay yeah so you're asking me so, if i ever if mm -hmm. i and if i ever got classified information in a mail matt email <laughs> matt was Matt was excited, I guess, that the email we received from Lieutenant Courtney Wood, who was our primary contact, uh, said unclassified. But I explained to him that it wasn't all that exciting. Uh, just government employees, when they send an email, it will say unclassified just to make note that this is, you know, a general email, <laughs> not hey, a secure when, one. <laughs> when I was 14, I was on a military base and bought wings. You told us the story. Yeah, I don't. So you know, that's cool. <laughs> what mil What military base was that? 
I have no idea. I was 14, dude. Did you buy chicken chicken <laughs> wings or a plane? No, it was like a thing to go on my like bo- like a hat or something. I don't even know. I don't even know if I still have it. Anymore. Rank. It was a rank. Is that symbol? what they are? Is that me? I don't know. I don't know what base you were on. <laughs> oh, it had to be. Was it Air Force, know. Army, Navy? <laughs> it was like in. I would say Virginia somewhere. I know that that narrows it down to about 50 bases. <laughs> I can't help you, man. Uh, I think maybe I'll find it on. I think I might know. I think I might know which one you're talking about. <laughs> um, oh man, because I. Anyways, I'll find that. I'll have find you the ever received? Have you ever received classified emails? Let us know. SpeechSciencePodcast.com, SpeechSciencePodcast at gmail.com, or phone call 614-681-1798. Our second article. And of, hashtag SSPod. Hashtag it up, SSPod. Let Mike and Michelle do something on the Twitters, the Instagrams. And do we have a uh, Snapchat or a TikTok yet? Well, TikTok is going to be shut yeah, down. TikTok's so gone, not. dude. TikTok. <laughs> no, TikTok will still be here. It's like... Microsoft was buying it like three months ago. This is just a thing that's happening. It'll be there in November. So, Matt, you'll be so sad if it's not there. <laughs> I, I am going to be so sad. And I, because I've already figured out like what I'm going to do. And I need, I just, I don't know. What is that? The crazy love song or whatever that is? What? What? Don't you know the TikTok song? Nope. Oh, what is it? It's oh, Savage Love by uh oh, is that Jason Dorillo? Didn't tell you, man. This song. I don't know. Sorry. And everyone that has used TikTok is now dancing in their car the TikTok dance. Just saying. Too old for that stuff, man. <laughs> All right. Our next article is, is from the leader live. ASHA fights Medicare payment cuts for audiology and SLP services. Why in this time and age is CMS looking to cut payments for our services? That's my first question about this. Does anyone have any ideas? <sighs> Can you, I kind of lost you for a second, so can you tell me the article? Because I don't have it all in front of me this week. Yeah, so basically uh, CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, includes cuts for 7% for audiologists and 9% for SLPs in its proposed 2021 Medicare physician fee uh, schedule. And uh, yeah, uh, Ash has been collaborating with them since 2019. So they're fighting the the nine percent and the seven percent cuts, but um, so what I'm trying to figure out is why does CMS want to cut nine percent and seven percent at this time during the middle of a pandemic while we're trying to figure out how to even provide telepractice, and CMS is in the middle of cutting back what they're willing to pay because this will affect private practices, right? Because I would assume that you use the CMS pay schedule to set local prices. Is that incorrect to think? No, it's it's definitely correct. Uh, I I think this is definitely going to affect everybody. Uh, these t- um, these these cuts seem to happen, you know, at least once a year. But now with everything going on and all of the government spending with unemployment and stimulus checks, 
this is this is a big one, and this one definitely seems to be a bit more harsh than uh, than, than usual. They're saying they're reducing the rates to offset the 2021 payment increases for eval and management services. I don't know about that. I was going to say I don't know how that can they can they increase evaluations enough to offset the weekly pay the weekly visit rate? No, that's just a very fan. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a very fancy way of saying that we don't respect your services. Is it really? You think that way? <laughs> Definitely, of course. I I think that's that's basically what they're what they're trying to say, and they're trying to find different ways to to save money. Meanwhile, they want to uh, build a brand new FBI building. They want to continue building that wall, and they want to build a space army. I'm I'm on board for Space Army though. You want the Space Force? I like the show, but so <laughs> so I guess I am trying to figure this out. It says okay, projected decreases include nine percent for cardiac surgeons, ten percent for chiropractors, and eleven percent for radiologists. So I guess we're on the low side of cuts, but it just feels like I don't know. It feels a little weird. We're on the low side of cuts because compared to what we did, we lost. So you were breaking up, Michelle, but I'm assuming you said that we're cut less because we charge less. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much is what I was saying. You listed a bunch of people who I believe cost more than SLPs. Mm -hmm. It says Ash is dismayed by the scale of the negative impact given that audiologists and SLBs cannot bill EM codes to the Medicare program to help, uh, help offset the proposed reductions in 2021. Well, that seems useless. Yes, it does. I was just, I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh, I'm pulling up from the federalregister.gov the entire uh, article and the whole idea for the payment decreases. We'll have that link below in the show notes. But there's also a link that you need to email your congressman ASAP. Yes. About this. 100%. That's, and, and that actually works. Uh, there's been times where I've seen uh, governors or whatever it may be post about cuts happening to this or that or something happening, and people make calls and reach out and advocate, and it, it actually makes a difference. People think that it's a waste of time and they're just going to do what they want anyway, but it actually works. Uh, Ash's president wrote a letter to CMS and also uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives. And those are links as well. So hopefully we don't see too much of a cut. Did we have a cut last year? There's cuts every year. Is there? So oh, yeah. Michelle, do you do much billing, like setting prices or no? No. No. So without giving away your, your business strategy, Mike, I'm going to ask you some hypothetical questions, if that's cool. Please do. Okay. So if I were to open my private practice and I wanted to figure out what to charge for speech therapy, I'm going to type in CMS charge speech therapy. I'm going to find my 2020 Medicare uh, payment schedule. And it says for a treatment of speech language, voice communication or processing disorder, is $81.20 is the national fee. Okay. Would I be incorrect to say that for to do speech therapy, I should charge between 80 and $85 for a 30-minute session? 
Well, that that really depends. No, uh, okay. Ho hopefully, also you would uh, network with other private speech pathologists in your area. Uh, you know, obviously, there's different types of speech and language evaluations. There's just mm -hmm. there's ones that parents request. There's ones that they get a doctor's script for. There's ones that insurances cover, one that they don't cover based on need of the student. Uh, there's also the IEE evals in case of a due process uh, or, or remediation. Uh, so it really depends on the type of evaluation. And also, if you're going into private practice, if you have some sort of specialty, let's say you specialize in apraxia and it's a motor speech evaluation, you can charge, you can charge more. So there's many factors that go into that. So I guess my question, though, and, and Michelle, free, feel free to interrupt. But my question would be, do I look at the fee schedule before I talk with the others around me? And would all of our prices be close to the fee schedule? Or would it be, is it, is it more often below or more often above? Are you asking me? Uh, just not necessarily about your practice, but like in general, when people look at private practices, because we've got people that listen that don't know how to even what to charge. And it's, yeah. it, it, it really depends. It, it's probably, okay. it's probably right around that number. Okay. Um, that's really that's the what best, I was just wondering. You know, yeah. That's really the best way to sort of ethically do it. It's probably right around that number. Um, you know, it, and it, and everything, if it's more, it depends on the specialties, like I, like I talked about before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if it's less than, uh, you know, th th there's many factors involved, but I would say it's right around that number. I had a, a person reach out to me last week and said, hey, do you know what private, practi pra private practice people charge here in Cincinnati? And I went, not a clue, but here's the Medicare fee schedule. So it gives you an idea of what to charge. And I think they were going to look at about $20 less than what it said. So... Okay, it's not bad. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I look at this fee schedule every now and then to remind myself why I'm doing Medicaid billing in the school system. E exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you do that, dude. Uh, I don't know. Sounds like a lot of man it hours. Lot that of is a paperwork. story for a different I, day. When I was in the school, it, it took a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we figured out one time I'm doing like 3,000 pieces of paper a year. 4,000 pieces of I'm paper a year. I'm just impressed that you took the time to count that. <laughs> well, okay. So actually, let's figure this out. All right. If I work for 35 weeks and I have a caseload of 60, I have to do Medicaid billing on all 60. So 35 times 60 is 2,100. And then my 60 kids have all IEPs. So that's... Uh, what is that? 60 times 35 plus 60. I'm at 2100 or 2160. And then I've got to do eight progress reports and, and whatever. So 60 times eight plus 2160. I'm at 2640 right there plus whatever. So yeah, that's fun, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know how you do it, man. <laughs> That's uh, that, that's that does not sound fun. Oh, that's not that's man. not something you learn in grad school. Write your Congress people. Don't let them cut a payment because it does affect everybody from private practice to those that are working uh, in the big clinics. This is how we decide what our our salary is. I work home health care, and 
I want to know what my Medicare reimbursement rate is so that when I go in to negotiate a salary and they offer me $35 for a, a 35 minute visit, I need to know that they're making 35 bucks off of me or 45 bucks off of me. So head to we our need, website also. I'm sorry, what, Mike? We need increases, damn it. Mm-hmm. 9% increase would be nice. Head That'd to our website, sick. speechsciencepodcast.com. Email speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. Michelle, while you still have service, what are you doing this upcoming week as the music plays underneath of us? Unpacking this house. That's what we're doing. We have um, finding, you know, all the all the essentials for a new place, <laughs> and like finding a grocery store, and finding a coffee shop, and all the little things that you gotta kind of settle into. So there you go. Have, did you ever see the Incredibles? Oh, I love the Incredibles. Yeah. So. In the original Incredibles, there's that scene where Helen calls her husband and goes, honey, good news, we finally moved in. And he's like, honey, we moved in like eight years ago. And she goes, yes, but all the boxes yeah, are now that's, on. That's pretty true. But what happens when you move every few years is that some boxes just keep moving with you. <laughs> See, those are the ones you just leave behind. You don't need them. Yeah. Mike, how many un- unboxed boxes do you have and what are you doing this next week? Oof, unboxed box, that's a good one. Uh, I would probably say maybe like five, maybe, if you're at the house. How you know, long have we, you lived there? Uh, two years. Okay. <laughs> so, but it's like random things, like like old books and things like that. Okay. So, so, so can't hate too much. Uh, so this week, uh, continuing with, uh, with mostly teletherapy, uh, you know, kind of winding down and uh, a lot of families are really going on vacations now, uh, like socially distanced vacations. So things are starting to slow down a little bit. Uh, prepping for the upcoming school year. Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a hectic one. It's gonna be an interesting one. So uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of work this week. Fair enough. Uh, for me, we are having a drive-through baby shower for hot child number three or I'm sorry, a drive through baby sprinkle. Uh, so I get to take the boys fishing again next weekend. Oh, you're not so. gonna be there for the sprinkle. No, I am going to try to corral a seven-year-old and a three-year-old while my wife wears masks. My mom and mother-in-law will be wearing masks and they've got little cookies to hand out into the car while they drive by and drop off whatever they drop off. Fair enough. I don't know. I don't do baby showers. I mean, uh, you would think I would love baby showers because it's food and desserts, but I I, I don't get it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking food like and dessert. Uh, also, I, I will say this, and my wife will be super mad that I will say this, but Michelle, did you know after the age of like 33, they label your, your pregnancy like uh, After 30, yeah, and you hit 30, if you are 35, it's considered on medical paperwork a geriatric pregnancy, yeah. My wife is not taking well. Yeah, it's, That's insane, it's just mm-hmm. a term, it's a medical, you know, it's what they call medically, but yeah, it's just funny because geriatric, we think significantly older than 35. <laughs> well, my wife was all, has always been older than me, obviously. 
uh, that will never change. So I just continue to say that uh, I am, she is my sugar mama and I am the child that she rescued from college. So. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Oh, our opening music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share-alike license. Our bump music is the County Fair Rock, copyrighted John Deku. Find his music at soundcloud.com slash dirtdogmusic. Uh, and our closing music is The Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow, don't be an oak. The willow will bend under stress. The oak will crack, but the willow will return to form. For Willows, Michael McLeod and Michelle Wintering, I'm Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>